0: Father God, thank you for this great morning and thank you for the wonderful worship that we've had and we just want to sing praises to your name and bring honor to your name. And our hope, our greatest desire is that you are glorified through our voice and through us praising you. God, this morning um, as we gather, we gather as a church and Lord, I pray that as we turn to your word, Lord, that you would teach us, that you would remind us, that you would stretch us. This morning is... It's a little bit of a tough topic, a little bit of a sensitive topic, uh, one that all of us can relate to, and I pray, Lord, that you would just do a work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. Glad that you are here this morning. Welcome to those who are joining us online and those who are in Kindred that are joining us. Hey, just so you know, first week in June, uh, this is especially for... Uh, maybe you Lakers. Uh, um, Kindred campus is going to meet at six thirty. So if you're at the lake and you're coming back into town, or you're on vacation, you're coming back into town, or you just happen to sleep in it in the morning, you're like, it's I miss church. Six thirty in Kindred. You can you can uh, uh, join them there. Starting the first week in June. Sometimes uh, I feel all alone. How about you? Do you ever feel alone? Today we're talking about the fear of being alone. The thought of being alone is a heavy weight that no doubt all of us bear at times. It's painful to feel like no one else cares about you. It's gut-wrenching to be in a place when you feel like you could literally just disappear or disconnect and no one would even notice. It's been said by some that there's an epidemic of loneliness that is critically prevalent in our society today. Not that loneliness is anything new, but that we have adopted behaviors and we've adopted maybe new practices in our lives that have caused loneliness to be greatly magnified and intensified. This past year, every person in one way or another was impacted by COVID-19 pandemic. And for many, the pandemic did not, maybe it didn't affect you physically, but but it forced isolation and this quarantine allowed for an epidemic of loneliness. And the pandemic acted as a great reminder for many what they were already maybe possibly experiencing, but had not been able to, to suppress until the pain was unbearable. We have more ways to stay connected today connected to people than ever before, especially through technology, especially through social media, yet more people today feel a greater disconnection than ever before. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, I'm sure I missed about six of them, but has opened the door for people to be connected, more connected than any other time in history. Americans estimate to spend eight to nine hours per day before a glowing screen of some sort. There's a lot of study going on right now centered around what all this is doing to us. And one thing that is glaring in all of the research is that we are becoming an increasingly lonely people. Electronic connection is at all time high, while personal connection is at all time low. What is now being discovered is that in some ways it is having this adverse effect on us. People read posts, people page through pictures of of people and and they're trying to stay connected and and they walk away maybe on Facebook after looking at all these posts and pictures, they walk away feeling envy and and jealousy and misery and being unsuccessful And, and honestly even more lonely than before. Social media has piled on us what many already felt deep inside. It has caused our feelings, in some cases, to be affirmed. And some of those feelings are, I really am alone. Nobody does, nobody cares about me. I've been forgotten. I'm not that important. Everyone else is liked. For the past several weeks, we have been in this series entitled, What Are You Afraid Of? And today, I'm concluding this series by talking about disconnection or the fear of being alone. At this time, I would like to invite to the stage my wife, Lori. She'll be, there she is, coming out. This is my wife, Lori, of 34 years, 9 months, and 8 days. Today. There was a calculator on my phone I used to to figure out the exact.
1: It's not a daily tab that you take?
0: That could be good or bad. (laughs) Lori Lori is the director of Bethel Women and Bethel Counseling, and in the past few months especially. The topic of loneliness has been addressed in some of her research, and I've invited her to come up on stage and to share with us some of the things that she is reading and learning about. So I've got a couple questions for you to begin. Two questions. First of all, what is the definition of loneliness? How would you describe loneliness? And secondly, what's the cause of loneliness?
1: Yeah, so pre-COVID, there's just so much research out there on loneliness. And so just staggering to imagine what it might be today. Loneliness is something we all can, you know, connect with at a certain level. And then there's a place that's really... Um, seriously detrimental to us. So loneliness is a state of mind that feels empty and alone. It can feel really unwanted, and it might say, "No one really wants to connect with me and know me." I feel unseen and unwanted. We can't. We can't even. We can even be with people and feel all alone. So there's some stats I want to share real quick. Um, The tragedy of loneliness came front and center several years ago when research began showing the noticeable trend toward disconnection in our culture. In 2018, Cigna did a study of 20,000 adults and found that nearly half of Americans feel they are alone. One in five people report that they rarely or never feel close to people or feel like there are people that they can talk to. Gen Z is the loneliest generation, which doesn't make sense to us, does it? The generation that's most connected is the loneliest. So it really is an epidemic. According to the recently released Harvard Youth Poll of over 2,500 people, ages 18 to 23, 51% said that at least several days in the previous two weeks they had felt down, depressed, or hopeless. So some of these stats really ring true to maybe you here today or someone that you know. Because we're created for deep connection with God and with others. I mean, Genesis 2.18 says it's not good that the man should be alone. I mean, Adam was in this perfect pre-sin state with God and something wasn't good. Um, That's kind of confusing to us. But we were created for connection. And so, when this helpmate was made for Adam, it was better. It was very good. Adam was created with a deep need for connection with God and with other human beings, and so were we. And so, what causes loneliness then? Well, because of sin, uh, we can't be connected in the way that Adam and Eve were with God and with one another. I actually love to kind of consider what it would have been like being Adam and Eve before sin. What would relationship look like with God, but with one another? Uh, Wouldn't that be amazing? So our first alert to being lonely, typically is ourself, right? It's found in what we experience personally. We're we're self-protecting people, and when we feel discomfort, we go into protection mode. So every part of the person experiences this, and I just briefly wanna hit on the four key areas of the whole person, bio, psycho, social, spiritual. There are many other aspects, and one tragedy, Okay, that's a little strong of a word, but one concern with talking about loneliness in just a few minutes is there's just, you know, you're just getting a little sneak peek and there's just so much more. So biological, bio. um, Loneliness causes a fear response in us. It could be fight, flight, or freeze. And this um, could be a really long conversation just here, but but we all have the way that we more naturally combat when we have a fear response. So one extreme tries harder and harder and harder. They want to push and pursue, and they have to get it taken care of, right? You, can, you know if you're this person, or you know if you're with someone that's like that for sure. Um, they fight. They're fighters. They, it's not all bad. They're trying to get things right in the relationship trying to make their world better. And then you have kind of the opposite extreme, and um, they're not pushy, they um, don't seem quite as crazy, even though those people aren't either. Uh, We're trying to survive in this, but um, we really get triggered over on this side, the more flight side, and these people shut down. They get scared, and they try to avoid at any cost. So that response, is automatic in us. The fight, flight, freeze is automatic. Our bodies feel it strongly, very strongly. It wreaks havoc in us because we were created to connect with one another and we're left disconnected, not getting what we most deeply long for, legitimately. So biopsycho, psychological, what we think about um, or more deeply believe to be true um, not just about our situation, but more deeply believe about who we are. It impacts us greatly. Um, and not just who we are, but how, who God is, how we relate with other people, and how we fit in those places. So two extremes here would be that we shame and blame people um, and God. I could go into a lot more detail. Or we do the same for ourselves. So this ends in us confirming some of those statements that you gave earlier that have probably plagued us our whole life, but maybe we're just now potentially able to uncover things like, I'm not loved, I'm not enough, I don't matter, I'm, I'm not really safe in this world. So I just can't emphasize this enough, how the beliefs about ourselves. um can't just be changed because you can go to a lot of books today that will help you change, you know, put into practice some really good phrases, you know, make sure that you change your thinking. Now, this it's not a bad thing necessarily. It's just not sufficient because in a lot of cases we're lying to ourselves and we don't change things when we lie to ourselves. We have to be able to be changed by the truth. And where do we find the truth? The truth is what sets us free. The truth of what God says about who we are. So, yeah, I have to go on, but I could stand there a lot longer. So biopsychosocial or relational, how we are actually interacting with people. So if we didn't grow up in in a household where there was real connection and intimacy, um, where there you know, was this concerted effort to be met on an emotional level, um, to grow emotionally, to develop. How could we possibly know how to connect with other people? So it's not a shame thing at all, but we um, in living out life um, need to know how to self-regulate and regulate with God and re- co-regulate, regulate with other people we help one another in this place to be safe, to be loved. And in do- so doing, then we actually get to connect. So this, this is an incredible and significant um, challenge for us um, to be in deep relationship. Um, so we may do shallow relationship, you know, hanging out with people, doing things with people pretty well, but we may miss out on the deeper connection So um, we must get to the place where we know we're loved, know we're valued, know we're secure, and, you know, we we go into then the spiritual connection because truly we can't find that in a person or people in this world completely. We just can't. We're all human. So I'm just going to touch on the spiritual perspective because you're going to be Um, touching on this and expounding, but this is beyond important. I mean, if we don't start with and continue the connection that we have, that with God, every single moment, there's no amount of connection in this world that can sustain. So it, it can be good, but not meet us most deeply. And so we can't just extract out one little piece. We're a whole person, and we all Every piece impacts the other. Um, So God created us for oneness with himself, and he offers it through Jesus. Um, And so I just want to touch briefly, you know, he is the only one to meet our needs in every single situation, physically, emotionally, and he connects us with people. But he does it in such a different and profound way. You know, he says things like, die to self and find everything in him, you know, consider others better, so less is more, and I go, I, to go up, I have to go down, and it's this profound mystery. When, when I don't consider myself, I find that real fulfillment and joy and peace is found deeply in Christ. Um, so, our relationship with God. Um, to be honest, conversational, to be real, to allow him in, to know him, and to be known by him. Um, there's so many other things, situational, that also cause loneliness, physical isolation, like stay-at-home orders, maybe, (laughs) um, you know, moving into a new location, divorce, death, there's all kinds of things, um. But also trauma, and I won't spend time here, but trauma significantly reduces our ability to connect deeply with people um, until we really walk the journey through healing. So.
0: I feel like this topic is really relatable to everyone. Because I'm looking over the crowd and I'm thinking, there's all different um, age groups, people in different seasons of life. Maybe maybe you're like, well, I'm, I don't struggle with loneliness, but maybe they have a, a child who's in that Gen Z or um, the elderly and all these age groups that it's really showing up in. Take just one minute and answer this last question. Are there health risks associated with loneliness?
1: Yeah, it's pretty (coughs) incredible, the research that's out there now. Um, Research links everything from heart disease to Alzheimer's, inflammation, cardiovascular disease, all kinds of physiological things that happen in our body, which makes sense if you study the stress response, but all those are connected to loneliness and, and disconnection. And so, um, people who are lonely are up to 32% more likely to die early from their connected counterpart. person.
0: That's a crazy yeah. stat, it it really it, say it one more time.
1: So, uh, people who are lonely are up to 32% more likely to die early. There's all kinds of stats out there that show the premature death um, for people that are lonely. It's, a, it's serious, it's, it's not something we can just push away. Yeah.
0: Thank Lori for being up here. She'll be back at the end for about one minute um, to help us with some things. Genesis three one through nine. If you're not already there, Genesis three one through nine. Whether you're a New Version or you have a hard copy of Scripture, that's where I want to start. I want to talk uh, briefly about two things. I want to talk about a lie, and then I want to talk about the truth. And we're talking about loneliness. The lie is that you are all alone. That's the lie, and and it starts like this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will surely die. You will not surely die, the servant said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Then verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord of God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man, where are you? This is where it all began. It began in the garden with Adam and Eve, and the result of Adam and Eve's sin is the source of all pain, all hurt, and all brokenness. That's where it started. The first five verses in Genesis chapter three point to a relationship between the fall of man and man's quest for wisdom. And so could it be that the fall of man points not so much to a decision or or to an act of great wickedness, but more to an act of great folly, After all, he had everything that he wanted, everything he could possibly ask for. But then all of a sudden, he wanted more. He wanted to be like God. And the evil one's crafty wisdom, because they listened to him, led them to destruction and isolation. The serpent was wise in that he knew how to create this relational divide between the creator and the created. By luring the created, that's us, into believing we are not enough and we cannot be satisfied in God alone. That's what he convinced us of, resulting in isolation and loneliness. So, isolation and loneliness can often share in the same false belief that we're not good enough. No one wants to be around me, no one cares. And so the serpent's crafty wisdom accomplished exactly what he wanted to, loneliness. And so we hide because we believe it's safer. We also know that the evil one wants to steal, kill, and destroy, right? When we are hiding and we're in that place of where we're feeling lonely, we're we're extremely vulnerable for greater attack by the evil one. He plays mind games with us in that place. So Adam and Eve were living in this perfect fellowship with God and each other. They were free to be themselves and had nothing to hide from. They had nothing to run from. But because they thought they knew better, they ate the fruit from the tree, and at that moment, everything changed. Adam and Eve heard the sound of God as he was walking through the garden, and they hid from him. Never before had they ever hid from God. It says that they were afraid. They were afraid of who they had become. Because they were now sinners, the presence of God would shed light on their sin. And so they hid. They were afraid of being real before God. And so God calls out to them, as if he didn't really know where they were, It was Adam's answer to God that explains to us why we do what we do. He said, I am afraid because I was naked and I hid. Ever since that moment, mankind has been hiding. While God is calling us to come out of hiding and to live free, hiding and loneliness go hand in hand. Even in the midst, Lori said this, This always blows my mind when you think about this. Even in the midst of a crowd, people can be surrounded. You can be surrounded by people. You can even be enjoying yourself or at least presenting as though you're enjoying yourself, presenting as though you're connecting with people, presenting as though you're happy, and at the same time, be extremely lonely. Fast forward a few thousand years to Jesus. Jesus experienced loneliness on the cross when he was alienated from the Father, bearing the sins of the world. Jesus was hanging on the cross from nine in the morning till noon in the light of the day. And it was about noon, everything changed. It went from light to darkness, covering the land. It had to be this really eerie moment. And the darkness that blanketed the land was this indicator that God was showing up to take care of sin and to punish sin. Just as the Old Testament said that he would, God's wrath instead was falling on Jesus. And the physical pain that Jesus endured is unfathomable. A physical pain that words cannot express. And just as the three hours of darkness was nearing its end, he broke the silence, he broke the silence of the pain and cried out to his father and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Was it the physical pain that made him cry out to the father? Maybe just a little bit, but it was probably the spiritual pain, the fact that he took upon himself all the sins of mankind. that pain was so much more gut-wrenching than any physical pain. And Jesus cried out in that moment, my God, as though to, to say, even though you are crushing me, and the weight of all of this is too much, in a sense what he was saying, you are still my God, even in this place of being alone. So what are we learning even in the midst of our darkest hour? And we all have them. Even when we feel unwanted, even when we feel all alone, Jesus, our Savior, has shown us that we can cling to God. Prior to this dark moment in time when Jesus was in agony, he heard a voice from heaven to comfort him. That was his experience. When he was in agony in the garden, this angel appeared to him to give him strength. But now in the darkest hour, there was no voice, there was no angel, only God hiding his face from him. In the flesh, did Jesus experience aloneness? Yes. Did he have a sense of feeling abandoned? Yes. Forgotten about. Yes. Jesus knows the greatest depth and the reality of aloneness. So that that whole idea that Jesus can relate to us is pretty accurate. Without the cross, we would live and exist miserably and in loneliness, disconnected from others and disconnected from God, left to make the best of life. The cross settled the issue of loneliness once and for all. It gave us a way forward and out of isolation and loneliness. And the cross, it invites us to connect. The cross says this, it's okay. That's what the cross says. The cross says, forgive and be forgiven. The cross invites healing. The cross says this. The cross says it's safe. It's safe. Even though people may feel unsafe at times, you are always safe with me, is what the cross says. The cross promises we will never ever be alone again. We will never be forgotten. We will never be abandoned. Secondly, I want to talk to you about the truth that you are never alone. Romans 8, 38 and 39. It says this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Maybe you're familiar with this passage, but this, this entire passage in Romans chapter 8 is about us living as conquerors. Conquerors over what? Over life and all the hardships and all the struggles and all the disappointments. Romans 8. After all, when would we most apt be all alone? When would you, what, are the, what, what point in life would you feel most alone? during difficult times. It's during the trials of life when we feel that we're all alone. And in fact, loneliness can become a trial. And during those times, not only do we feel alone from other people, but sometimes we even feel alone from God. And we find ourselves in David's shoes from the Old Testament who often cried out to God, where are you? It says, for I am convinced, in other words, I am certain, neither death nor life, neither the fear of death, nor all the pains and tortures of the dying scene, even in the most painful trials leading to death, the dying process, can be a very lonely place. But even in death, and even in the dying process, Jesus says that even then, my love for you cannot be taken away. Even then, you are not alone. It reminds me of this past year, when I've heard stories about people being in the hospital, and and, and they're in the process of dying, but because of COVID, they couldn't have anyone there with them by their side. And so there they were, dying all alone. And and what this reminds me of is if you know somebody or you're aware of somebody who went through that, that there is hope and what Jesus is saying here is that they were not alone. That God was with them. It says, nor angels or demons, most likely the intent here is not good angels, But it's this idea that even the influence of the evil one has, as much as we allow him to speak lies constantly to us, and as much as we allow him to lead us to that place of loneliness, even the evil one, even all of his schemes cannot keep us from the love of God. If the evil one can get you to believe, even for just a moment that God has forgotten you, or that no one cares about you, He has you right where he wants you. Nor things present nor things to come. He's talking about nor trials, suffering, calamities, persecutions to which you are now subject. Nothing life, that life throws your way, can separate you from God's love. Even though life's circumstances may take you to deep, dark places, you are never alone or out of the reach of God's love. Neither height nor depth, simply to say, none of these extremes can cause us to experience loneliness with God. So Lori's gonna come now and she's going to share just for a minute, um, how do we combat loneliness? What do we do?
1: Yeah, so I think there's a lot of ways that we could approach this. It's gonna be different for all of us. But most profoundly, and, and you did such an amazing job of showing us from, from the word, we, we, run, we run to God. And um, I think that's a really brave move. I think we have to pause long enough to honestly assess, run to him, and then, and then reach out to someone that might be helpful in, in processing this. We're, we're hurt and wounded in relationship and we need help through relationship, through his people to walk the journey. It's, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's actually, it actually is the process through our vulnerability to heal. And um, yeah.
0: Thank you. Hebrews thirteen five says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. There's hope for us. So maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, I I can't really relate to this. I don't ever feel alone. I've never experienced loneliness. There's a good chance that somebody within five feet of you is experiencing that right now. That in their inner world, they're feeling extremely alone. Hopefully some of the things that we've shared with you from scripture and otherwise can be an encouragement to you. I wanna leave you with one thing. Jesus experienced being alone, so we never have to. He did that for us. The couple of scripture here is the anguish of David. And look how closely it's related to that of Jesus. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. It's this anguish. And then verse 19, but you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Jesus brought closure to any sense of disconnection, any sense of loneliness. And his suffering and his death, it closed the gap between us and God and us feeling disconnected or lonely in relationship with other people. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning and thank you for your word and just, Thank you for the insight that you've given us. And uh, Lord, it, it's, it's one of those things that when we're not in that place, um, it's, it's, we really don't even wanna talk about it. And we think, well, we can't really relate to that. And yet every person in this room, of course, can relate to that, because we're human, we're fallen. And our society, the changes that are happening so fast are putting pressure, more and more pressure, almost feels like a vice grip pushing us into a corner where we do experience that, that disconnection. Give us wisdom, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.